finding out you're pregnant is a very exciting time. Time to buy all the nursery furnitures, all the baby clothes, the accessories, the nursing pillows, the palms, all of the cute baby things that we think we need. Also a good time to prepare for your labor and take a private course, a private hypnobirthing course, or any other courses that help you to feel prepared for the big day. But what about postpartum? Why do we not prepare postpartum so well? Why do we focus on the pregnancy and then the delivery of the baby, but we don't think of the aftermath? In today's episode, Alana takes us through her two pregnancies and how with the first one, she prepared well for her labor and birth, but didn't prepare at all for the aftermath. And in Alana's case, she experienced postnatal depression, which made everything a lot harder. She also had trouble to establish breastfeeding, and she really struggled with that for three months. Being diagnosed with postnatal depression was already a battle for Alana because she had to fight with midwives saying, oh, it's just a baby blues, when deep down she knew that it it wasn't normal and it probably wasn't going to go away in two weeks. Um, and that's because of Alana's history of depression. And once she was diagnosed, the journey wasn't as straightforward as taking a pill and feeling 100% better. Alana really highlights that her journey to recovery was really long and it was a lot of trial and error. There wasn't one thing that really worked for her. She had to work with a psychologist. She had to do both one-on-one -on -one and group sessions. She also found that exercise was helpful. Um, and she had to work through her birth trauma and, and work through her feelings to finally feel like her head was out of the water. And I think this is a really important conversation. So in today's episode, we focused a lot more on the postpartum aspect of Alana's story because there was a lot to talk about and a lot to share there. We do chat about her birth, but we, we focused the bulk of the episode on her postpartum journey and the journey to recovery, especially while navigating being a first-time mom and navigating societal expectation, mum guilt, and all of those things that we experience as young mums. You are listening to Kappa with a Doula. I'm your host, Alicia, exercise physiologist and doula. And every week I chat with a mum or mum-to-be about all things pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. The stories you will hear in this podcast are real and sometimes raw, but they are all told without any taboo. So grab yourself a cuppa, put your earphones in and enjoy this episode. Hi Alana, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for inviting me. No worries. So um, do you want to start by introducing yourself? So telling the listeners uh, your name, where you're living and who is in your family? Yeah. Um, so I am, my name's obviously Alana. Um, I'm 35 and I have um, my partner, Matt, um, are 
four and a half or a little bit over um, sun and uh, another one that's due on the way in about two weeks. So beautiful. So beautiful. Are you nervous, (laughs) excited about the birth? Um, I guess I'm a little bit nervous just because it's been a little bit, you know, it's been a while since I've, um, I've done this, um, but I'm hoping that I'll, you know, it wasn't too long ago that I won't have, um, forgotten sort of things. Um, I think it'll probably just be the adjustment to not getting much sleep and all of that sort of stuff that comes along with having a newborn. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Um, so... (laughs) I like to start the podcast by asking all of my guests, did you always want to be a mum? I think I'm quite a maternal um, person generally. So not just in terms of sort of um, being an actual mum. I think I'm fairly maternal across the board. But I did find that I um, wasn't necessarily sort of – 100% 100% sold on kids probably mm-hmm. until I was in my late 20s. So yep. it, I think it sort of started to develop a little bit later um, for me. And then, yeah, like, um, you know, sort of I guess you sort of like have one and have that sort of um, whole experience and then, yeah, um, you either decide that that's, that's enough and you're happy with just the one or you decide to go on. So, yeah. yeah. That's right. That's <laughs> right. And and this time around it, it will obviously be different. But you also have Kai who's yeah. he, he'll be able to help, you know, at, at his level obviously. Yeah. But uh, he's he can, yeah. you know, grab nappies, grab wipes, and he can like entertain his um, brother or sister. I don't know what you're having. Yeah, I, I, another boy. So, oh, yeah, nice. yeah. What I'm hoping that they'll be able to spend some time sort of bonding and before Kai, you know, heads off to school and all of that yeah. sort of stuff. So, yeah. yeah so, so that's interesting because, <laughs> yeah, at some point Kai will be going to school and so you'll be back to having um, a baby slash toddler almost at this point and it'll be, yeah, yeah different. Yeah, that was the, that was sort of roughly, I guess, the sort of like the plan. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, you know, sort of, I think for me, it'll be good having sort of like, you know, Kai there, but it'll also be nice when he goes off to school. Um, yeah. cause you know, little kids can be fairly sort of full on, especially if you have boys. <laughs> um, but, and it'll give me some nice time to spend with the, you know, with yeah. the um with this one so yeah. yeah that's right your pregnancy with Kai was it planned uh yes yes it was um this one actually wasn't planned so this came as a total um total surprise um but yeah um Kai had been planned um and yeah I I'm, you know obviously as a first time mum you have no idea what you're you know mm-hmm what's going to eventuate or what it's going to be like and yeah um I guess it's sort of you know it's been nice sort of over the last sort of like five years getting to see him grow up and mature and you know change and express his opinions about things and all of that sort of stuff oh amazing so um so when you were pregnant with Kai um did you know what sort of model of care you wanted to go through what options you had available around you as well um I had sort of like I guess I had a vague sort of like idea but I'm sort of more of a go with the flow sort of like type of person so I kind of just went along with what the midwife sort of suggested I guess and um 
you know, sort of just ended up, I ended up having gestational diabetes and things mm-hmm. like that. So I knew that there was also sort of um, a bit of sort of like an increased risk if I, you know, wanted to pursue things like home births or things like that. Um, but yeah, I was, you know, I was quite sort of like happy with the, um, with the hospital sort of system and seeing midwives and obstetricians when I needed to and yeah. yeah. Things like that. So, yeah. Did you see the same midwife every time, or did you see a different one? Um, no, I think I elected to see different ones um, at the time, and I may not have had a choice. I think as well um, with gestational diabetes, because I think I was seeing so many different people. Um, mm-hmm. I think the obstetricians were like almost every sort of um, second visit or something like that. So I think I was under a slightly different sort of system. So how did you find uh, your pregnancy unfolded with gestational diabetes? Did you end up being medicated for it? No, no. I was actually really lucky and um, didn't end up being medicated um, for it. Um, I was able to control it just through diet. and just making sure that, you know, sort of lowering sort of carbohydrates and things like that, which was difficult because I had so many food aversions with Kai. Um, I actually had really bad um, vomiting and nausea up until about six, probably six months, I think it was. Um, and I literally what? couldn't eat. I know. It was wow. it was pretty bad. I couldn't eat any vegetables. I couldn't eat fruit. I couldn't eat. Um, I couldn't eat meat. I couldn't. Basically, I think I existed off um, uh, like corn chips. That was basically all I could eat. Um, oh, so, no. oh wow! I do know. You know. Do you know they say like, oh, in pregnancy, you need to eat healthy. You need to eat your five cups of vegetables yeah. and your fruits. And then when you've yeah. got aversions, you're like. I can't, I physically cannot, like it's just, no. It was, it was pretty bad. So thankfully. Like did you have hypermesis gravidarium? um, No, I don't think, I think that you only have that if you have it the whole way through the pregnancy. Um, For me, I didn't have it the whole way through the pregnancy. um, But it was, it was pretty, it Mm. was pretty bad up until the six month mark. So, yeah. Oh, that's that's horrible. <laughs> oh, it was, it was. It made the pregnancy, I think most of the pregnancy, sort of relatively miserable because I was so sick all the time. But, yeah, um, interestingly enough, I didn't. I've had, um, uh, like, sort of nausea and um, a little bit of vomiting and um, but really bad reflux this time around. So. Oh, wow. So it was different. To, yeah, it was quite different, and no food aversions really. So, so which there you one go. better? Is it better to have <laughs> vomiting and nausea or to have reflux? I don't know. Potentially, it might be better to have if I'd been um, given um, anti-nausea sort of medication with Kai. I probably would have um, dealt with that better. Yeah. But unfortunately, um, with reflux, they typically won't give you reflex medication until the baby's um, fully developed. Oh. So I've had reflex up until, yeah, probably three or four weeks ago, I guess, really bad reflux. So the whole pregnancy, I know. Oh, no, see, see, that's bad because we know that reflux is made, like it gets worse, especially in the third trimester because of the pressure of obviously Uh, the growing uterus and it pushes things up and and you've got just so much pressure. And if you can't get medication, like, oh, yeah. 
That's really hard. Wow. No, no. So that that was sort of hard. But yes, I did. I just didn't have the food aversion. So in some ways, I hmm. think this pregnancy may have been slightly easier um, mm-hmm. in certain ways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's different oh, each God. time. I think. Oh yeah, definitely. No, that's right. <laughs> and and you know, just like probably your baby will be different to how Kai was as a baby as well because they're different. Um, How did you prepare during your pregnancy? Did you prepare for for birth, uh, maybe for breastfeeding? Did you prepare for maybe the afterwards, you know, the postpartum as well? Yeah, so definitely um, with Kai, I didn't even really think about the postpartum sort Mm -hmm. of like period, I guess. Being a first-time mum, I don't think I think a lot of people kind of um, forget about that yeah. period. I guess because you have you've never experienced, you don't know mm. what to expect, so um, you just don't really prepare for it. It's more, and I guess there's a lot more sort of anticipation around sort of the labour process and you know preparing for all of that rather than yeah, yeah the you know the second, third, or sort of you know fourth or whatever times mm. that you've um, had a child, you're sort of much more of aware of what it entails. Yeah, definitely. That's right. And that's that's part of why I was asking because I, I feel like as first-time moms, we we get told you need to prepare for birth, uh, you need to write a birth plan, you, you need to know, you know, what could happen, what you want, what you don't want. Um, and then yeah. there's not much talk even around breastfeeding, even though, you know, it's recommended yeah. you breastfeed all of that. Um, and there's yeah. no talks around postpartum. Like no one talks about it. Uh, they're just like, no. once you've had the baby, it's like, yeah, you've had the baby. Cool. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's, I mean, I ended up with a episiotomy with Kai and I also, that was something that I had not been sort of like prepared for really <laughs> sort of, um, I mean, obviously I did sort of like birthing classes and things like that, but it wasn't necessarily something that came up that, <laughs> you know, sort of in any sort of significant way, I think during the classes. Um, I also wasn't prepared for um, cluster feeding um, mm-hmm. when babies are born and they go straight into cluster feeding yeah. um, because my son was feeding every half an hour to 45 minutes for at least two, the first two days of my hospital visit, which was really hard in terms of not having slept beforehand mm-hmm. um, either because I'd been giving... I was in labour for such a long period. So, um, yeah, so those sorts of things I sort of wasn't, wasn't you know, prepared for or aware of, I guess. Yeah, so, that's yeah. right. And, and see, that's something I'm like, I was the same and I'm hearing that a lot. We just, yeah, it's almost, yeah. Like I feel like we're not told because obviously you don't know what you don't know. So, yes, you know your no. baby's going to come out, but if you don't yeah. know what to expect, you can't imagine it. There's no way you can imagine what's about to come, like how difficult it is to look after newborn, the sleepless nights, the the yeah. fact that depending on how long your labor was, you're exhausted. Yeah. And then yeah. your baby and you're like, yeah, I'm exhausted. Yeah. I want to sleep. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think that that's when it's really important to have some plans in place around sort of, you know, having support there for you because they, you know, those first two weeks I think are that sort of, um, you know, kind of crucial sort of like period for um, 
helping you to sort of um, adjust to that, you know, newborn sort of baby sort of like experience. And if you're not feeling confident about it because you're tired and you haven't slept and you're mm-hmm. um, having troubles with breastfeeding and, you know, all of the rest of the issues that can come along with having a child, then it's, you know, it can be quite a sort of difficult experience, hmm, um, exactly. I think, especially if you've got nobody around you saying, actually, this is really normal, um, yeah. you know, or, or this is why this is happening and all of that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, what I find really hard too is in, in the public system, right, after you've had the baby, you've you've got no support for six weeks. Like, I mean, you've got a GP if you can get into your yeah. GP, and but you you usually mums don't go to GP to say, oh, is this poopy nappy normal, or is it normal that my baby yeah. uh, feeds you know every so often, or is it normal that they they burp yeah. that way? You know, like it's usually questions you'd want to ask your midwife, not really your GP. And yeah. some GPs they they just they don't know. You know, like they can't really help you yeah um, and, and so that's yeah. that's difficult if you're not in the midwifery group practice you just don't have that yeah. support which is crucial but it's the way the system works yeah really. it is I mean here I, in New South Wales we have um, community midwives so often you're okay. discharged from the hospital um into the um, community midwives which come out from the hospitals but there's also sort of another um, group I guess group of nurses um, that are also sort of midwives that only work with sort of um, postpartum Mm -hmm. so um, they'll yeah they can um, usually it's I think you do visits to them they can probably come out in sort of crisis sort of situations Mm -hmm. Um, but I found with my my son I had to use them fairly reg- regularly because my um my son wasn't gaining weight um no. even though I was sort of yeah breastfeeding and sort of things like that um he didn't return to his birth weight for, for quite you know quite a significant amount of time um I had I may have I'm, I'm not even sure what the issue was at the time it may have been issues with sort of supply or mm-hmm. you know um something something like that and um, I ended up having to do formula top-ups and things like that. Um, so I actually had probably had to see midwives once a, once a week to check mm-hmm. on my son's growth. Um, but even then it becomes sort of difficult. Um, I think also because of the, um, the pressure around um, breastfeeding, um, yeah. And, you know, sort of like we all know that sort of like breastfeeding, you know, ultimately is, you know, in a lot of ways is probably um, better than formula feeding. But sometimes you don't have a choice. And I think it's, you know, the importance of recognising that sometimes you just need to do what's right for, you know, your family and um, and the baby. Mm -hmm. Um, Exactly. Because, yeah, like obviously an unhealthy or like a child that's not gaining weight is not going to, mm-hmm. you know, is not mm-hmm. going to thrive. So, No, yeah. that's right. I, and I think, you know, because they, they used to have this campaign, I don't know if it was the same in New South Wales, it was, you know, breast is best. And they've, they've yeah, stopped yeah. doing it because it's not always best. Like if we're talking mental health, yeah. if the woman's having yeah, uh, yeah. mental health issues and breastfeeding is yeah. what is bringing it on, 
then obviously that's not best yeah, yeah. because that's not good for her health. Yeah. Um, and, exactly. and same in, in yeah. your case, you know, yeah. uh, not gaining weight, which is super important for newborns. Yeah. Well, if breastfeeding is yeah. not, you know, helping, then, you know, formula top-ups yeah. perfect. You know, you you got to do yeah. what, what works. Exactly. You do, you do. And I think um, like we still, I think we still have the breast is sort of like best um, message sort of around, mm-hmm. like around here, at least where I'm sort of like from. But um, I would definitely advocate for using formula if it's mm-hmm. impacting, you know, if breastfeeding is impacting on your mental health in any way. Um, you know, if you have supply issues, um, if you, you know, have developed sort of um, mastitis and things like that and you just yeah. can't, you know, you can't do it. Or if it's just a, you know, if that's just what you've chosen, that's yep. they're, you know, all choices are perfectly sort of like fine. It's just what works for you really at and the end right, of the day. And, and you're the mum, so you know best what's right for your child. No one else can say, oh, no, your child yeah. needs to have breast milk. Well, no, because yeah. as, as yeah. you know, the mum, I know best, so I'm yeah. deciding. Yeah, and I think that that's really important for first-time mums to realise because I, I, like, I think I fell into a lot of that first-time mum sort of guilt, especially mm. seeing sort of midwives where they basically advocate, um, you know, breastfeeding sort of um, – you know, I guess a bit too much, um, yeah. shall we say, you know, sort of, I think at the end of the day, if something's not working for you and you feel like you would be better off trying something else, just do it because it's, you know, sort of a, that it's, if it's important for you for your mental health, then at the end of the day, that takes priority over everything, exactly. I think. Yeah, that's so. right. So how did your third trimester go? So you, you didn't have nausea and vomiting much more at this point fantastic um no not 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 to the same degree so I've had I have had a bit of nausea and I but that's from the reflux so it was separate it was kind of separate issues um I guess um to a to a degree um so yeah I I didn't have it as I wasn't vomiting as much which is you know a beneficial thing I think so um yeah (laughs) oh wow and so what was uh what was the first sign of Kai's labor beginning um I think I remember oh I remember waking up and I think um I had really bad period type pains Uh and I wondered if this was the start of labor um because my stomach felt like it was turning inside and out um and uh, you know obviously not having gone through it I didn't know if it was um but then my waters broke and I knew what it was so yeah (laughs) were you um um, past your due date or before? I mean I don't like to say due date but you know yeah I was I was um, five days early with Kai, oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, so you know, sort of fairly, fairly sort of normal, but a little bit, yeah, little bit earlier, I guess, than sort yeah. of semi expected. So you, it was a fairly, broke. fairly normal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, and my so waters broke. So your waters broke, and so did you still have yeah contractions, cramps, or did they stop then? Um, no, no, no. I still had contractions and cramping. Um, and then I think obviously I must have sort of, I mean, it, this was a while ago now, but I think I must have just started timing the contractions and went into the hospital and I was about 
I think it was about three or four centimetres mm-hmm. dilated um, by that point. Yeah. And they decided to um, that it might be a good idea for me to have a start off with a shower um, or um, jump into the baths that we sort of have here. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it completely stopped the labour mm-hmm. process. Um, so I ended up going back home, being sent back home. Um, yes probably after, I don't know how long, maybe after about five five hours or something like that, I was sent home um, and told to come back when the contractions had started up again. So I went back to the hospital again and I'd, I think I'd only dilated to like five centimetres or something um, and then they ended up giving me um, sort of Basically, I ended up being induced mm-hmm. um, and having a Foley's balloon and sort of um, I, some sort of like hormone sort of type thing to try and um, mm-hmm. intensify the contractions. And eventually, I yeah, um, I ended up sort of the obviously at some point the contractions sort of picked up. And I think mm-hmm. I remember actually I remember hearing so many women giving birth and screaming, and I was just like, it's time for me to get an epidural. So. <laughs> I honestly that is not a good it's not a good way to go hearing everybody give birth it um it definitely makes you on edge shall we say I must have heard about five or six women giving birth in that time so I know did that make you stress I know because I mean that sounds stressful really yeah yes I'd sort of been I didn't necessarily want to sort of like medicated birth originally um before I you know before I went in but hearing that made me think that no like (laughs) sometimes there's just yeah yeah. There's a reason for medication. So mm. I, I, yeah, I went with the epidural. So, and I was very grateful that I had it after that. Yeah. So, yeah, good. Did definitely it, stopped the pain. Yeah, good. <laughs> did you still feel contractions without the pain or did you not feel I anything? I did. I oh, did. Good. No, no, no. I could feel the, I could feel the contractions, but it just wasn't, it was like contractions without the pain. So I yeah. could feel the, I could feel the pressure and everything, but I just couldn't feel the as much of the intensity of pain. So, um, so for me, it worked, yeah, pretty well. Amazing, so, amazing. Oh, that is yeah. so good. And see that that works. Obviously, that works better when pushing comes because you can actually you you know what's happening, so you you can push with your it body does. instead of like. Oh, yeah. am I having a contraction? Can I push now? Yeah, and it was, I, I mean, even Kai's, the pushing part of Kai's birth was challenging. I think from memory he had his um, shoulder stuck, I think, when he was coming out. So I think it's called, referred to as shoulder dystocia. Yeah. And um, so my pushing time was an hour and a half. Um mm-hmm. But, like, I could still feel that whole sort of process. I ended up with an episiotomy, but that was just because he was stuck. I think they, mm. they would have had to have given me a cesarean or something anyway. Mm, um, right. Or that, or do the episiotomy um, just because he wasn't, he wasn't going to come out sort of yeah. naturally in that sense. Wow. So, yeah. Oh, amazing. <laughs> and so, uh, so your labour was, was long, you said. I think it was like, did you say 32 hours? Yeah. 32 hours so yeah um a very very long one I didn't sleep during that time I I think I had a heap of adrenaline running through me um 
and yeah, was just yeah one of those one of those labors. Oh wow, yeah, because I, I was going to ask if after you got the epidural, you could snooze, you know, like kind of doze off a bit and like, but no. I was definitely more relaxed um, after the um, epidural because obviously you're not getting that full-on sort of pain um, sensation. Um, But I don't remember going to sleep. I feel like I had too much adrenaline running through me at that stage Um, and I I think I'd been up for like way too long um, to actually sleep. So. It didn't make me sleep, but I have heard that it makes a lot of people sleep. So yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, it's if you know, sleep goes off, or you know, if you can just snooze for like thirty minutes, an hour, you know, like anything helps at this point. So you know, whatever rest you can get is good. Uh, Yeah, Um, definitely, definitely, especially if you're preparing for breastfeeding. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so then Kai was born. Uh, did he go straight onto your your chest? Um, no, he because he'd been stuck. His heartbeat um, started. I think from memory, it either dropped or I think it might have dropped quite significantly. Um, which was why I think they um, decided to do the um, episiotomy. And then he was blue when he came out. Mm. Um, and I think he was taken, from memory, he was taken off by the paediatricians because they needed to get some oxygen into him. Yeah. Um, and they also had to check his blood sugar levels because I'd had the gestational diabetes, which they, they do with all sort of um, babies that have mothers that have gestational diabetes. And um, then I think once the checks and stuff had been done, he was popped onto my chest and, okay. um, yeah. I was able to hold him and stuff like that. So, oh, yeah. good. And so how how was that after so long, so much adrenaline, he's finally here and yeah. he's on your chest? It was a bit of a surreal moment, to be honest, because I felt like I'd been pushing for so long and then all of a sudden he was just sort of like there. Um, it was um, definitely sort of a... Um, I don't think I even knew how to sort of like react to it. I think I was just so exhausted um, that it was just, yeah, um, was just completely sort of knocked about and had this baby that was just suddenly sort of like there. And it probably took me a couple of days to kind of, you know, adapt to that, I think. Um, So just because it it was like I'd say it was a fairly sort of traumatic labour in a sense. So yeah. <laughs> how um how long did you stay in hospital for after he was born? Um, I'm pretty sure it was about three days um yep. from memory. So I think I uh, except like not including the sort of like the labor labor part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so it might have been two, yeah, two to three days or something like that. I think with first time mums they like to try and get breastfeeding sort of um established um yeah. before you go back home. And I also had the episiotomy, so I think they had to check. And I also had um postpartum hemorrhaging with Kai. So I think oh, they had to keep me in for a little bit longer. Yeah, oh. to um to make sure yeah, to make sure that I was, you know, doing okay and um, iron levels weren't were too low and those sorts of things. Yeah. So, yeah. Did you, so uh, I did probably you need, maybe I. Yeah, did you need a blood transfusion or 
not? Um, no, I was actually lucky because I had, um, I actually have hemochromatosis, which is too much iron uh, in the blood. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I didn't re, uh, I sort of, I, I knew towards the end of pregnancy that it was a possibility that I had it. But after I had Kai, I lost, I think almost a litre, a litre of blood. Um, and my iron levels hadn't significantly declined. They were just at that of an average sort of woman. So, yeah, so we realised after I'd given birth that um, my iron levels had been relatively high, basically. So um, in that sort of respect, having the hemochromatosis, I guess, helped. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. So through your pregnancy, your iron level must have been really high or like quite good, right? Yeah, yeah. It would have been. Um, And then so after I gave birth to Kai, my iron levels um, must have gone down to sort of, I think, to average basically, you know, just to the average sort of, I don't know, an average sort of woman's. And Mm -hmm. But this time around, um, with this one, I've actually got, I'm on the verge of anemia now. So this one's been sucking all of the rest of the iron supplies that were there. Um, And I've somehow ended up with low iron levels <laughs> so that, that is so interesting yeah. like, I know as you said two pregnancies I know. It's two quite, different yeah experiences it's been quite it quite sort of strange and I've definitely noticed the fatigue more in this sort mm-hmm. of pregnancy um unfortunately I can't keep down iron tablets so yeah. I haven't had much success um taking sort of um iron tablets so I kind of just have to increase my sort of red meat and intake and things like that so yeah hemochromatosis is it genetic it is so usually you get I think um a gene from one or both parents um Mm -hmm. and apparently I have the version that's of hemochromatosis that is um maybe slightly less severe than one of them Mm -hmm. Uh, my dad has hemochromatosis and has to have um, blood taken sort of relatively frequently. Um, so, yeah, I just got the, I guess I got the lighter version of it for some degree. Uh, so, only yeah. reason why I'm asking is because um, I was going to say, is there a chance that Kai and um, baby two are, I guess, carrier of the disease, but they don't have it? Yeah, potentially. potentially. Um, so I haven't, obviously I haven't had them sort of like tested. I mean, it doesn't, it's typically, hemochromatosis typically isn't an issue until um, later on in life. Um, yeah. So my dad, I don't think my dad had any issues with it until he was sort of in his maybe sort of like mid, mid-60s. Mm. And for me, it was only diagnosed when I was pregnant and that was just because I had blood tests that were testing for mm. a range of sort of different um, things. So I actually found out about it before my dad did. So, oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, no, I was but, just um, interested in that, yeah. Um, it is definitely possible that the boys could, yeah, end up with it, especially yeah. if my partner has a gene for it so Mm, yeah 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 interesting so how did you go with breastfeeding so you you tried to establish it in in the hospital and did it yeah um to to a degree Mm. um I think like I definitely Kai had a lot of issues with um latching he was a very um he was quite a 
fiery sort of like child at 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 birth I think to begin with um and I don't think patience was his middle name shall we say um so I think he became incredibly frustrated with breastfeeding which made me anxious as a Mm -hmm. as a new mom um as well um so we um I ended up breastfeeding him um or at least mix feeding him up until three months and then Mm -hmm. he developed um an aversion to breastfeeding basically and Mm -hmm. just wouldn't breastfeed at all um so I had to move on to formula so Mm -hmm. and it was sort of a good thing anyway because he's he still wasn't putting on enough weight so um it sort of helped with his um weight sort of like gain and things like that so yeah yeah. so I'd I'd say my start was fairly haphazard shall we say yeah Yeah, well look I mean you know as we said you you tried it um, and it just wasn't yeah. what was best for both of you. So there you go. You you yeah. did it for three months. I mean, that's amazing. Breastfeeding is so hard. Yeah. It's so difficult. Yeah, and yeah. obviously you've got to it learn is. it. Kai's got to learn it. And, yeah. and newborn, they've got no patience because they're just hungry because they've got such a small stomach. They are. So they're just hungry. They, they don't yeah, want to have to yeah. work for it. They just want to be fed. No, they just want to be fed and they want to be fed sort of basically yeah. now. Um, and he's, you know, even even at nearly five, he's still the same now. So um, that that personality trait hasn't, hasn't changed. Um, oh, but, yeah, I mean, I wish I'd known. I know. I wish I'd known that, you know, with a baby that a lot of that behaviour is, you know, fairly sort of like typical and that it is a really exhausting sort of process. Mm. I don't think and that's sort of really emphasised enough by mm-hmm. anybody really. So, no, that's right. It's it's exhausting um, yeah. to be breastfeeding because obviously um, it's, it's energy taxing. It's using, you know, your, your calories. Yeah. Um, it's your nutrients yeah. that are you know, your nutrient store that are going down, 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 you know, and for um, women with even a normal level of iron, you know, it can drop further when you're breastfeeding because the baby gets the iron as well. Um, And and obviously it's a lot of mental load, you know, like you're up at whatever time you're feeding, you're resettling, you're putting baby back to sleep and then uh, all through the day, you know, you're breastfeeding, I, I never counted yeah. how many times I breastfed because I didn't want to know. Yeah. Because no, it, I don't think anybody yeah. does. Mm. And, I, and I mean, unless you're that type of person, I didn't want to know personally. I'm like, I don't want to know how many yeah. times I'm feeding because it's a full time job, like beyond full time oh, job, even. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Definitely. And you don't realize how, um, you know, I don't know about you, but I was never somebody that could nap during the day either. Mm-hmm. I've only ever been able to sleep at night. Um, yep. So I found that sort of process, like I couldn't really recharge at all um, yep. throughout the day. Um, and just, yeah, that constant breastfeeding and the hunger that goes with it as well. The, um, you know, I don't know about you, but I was excruciatingly hungry all the time. So when I was breastfeeding. So, worst um, thing is yeah. if you don't have a snack nearby and and you've got you know like babies oh, falling asleep on you and you're like, but I'm starving, <laughs> like I'm just starving and you yeah. can't reach anything and you're like, oh, I'm frustrating. I'm yeah, so that, frustrated. That was one thing I planned for this time yeah. around was doing making up snacks and stuff in advance yeah. because I knew that that's a good possibility again. So yeah, yeah the things you learn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So 
how how did you navigate being a, a first time mom? You know, how was your recovery? You know, physically, but also mentally after Kai was there. I think it was fairly. Uh, I found it a really intense um, process for me. I like within the first two weeks and I think because I did struggle with breastfeeding and sort of um, also I developed a lot of insomnia um, Mm. as well as recovering from an episiotomy and things like that I think my Mm. whole sort of nervous system was um, completely sort of overwhelmed Um, Mm -hmm. so I knew within myself probably by that sort of probably by that two week mark that I was um, very likely had postnatal depression. Um, I sort of knew that it wasn't just the baby blues. Um, I think the the midwives that had been coming out to see me sort of were like, you know, this is just the baby blues, but I knew within myself, it wasn't the way that I was feeling wasn't normal. Um, And um, yeah, so I, you know, sort of like I definitely really struggled through that sort of, um, you know, I think that sort of baby sort of um, baby kind of period, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately. So mine, I don't know if mine was the, the best experience, but I, I certainly learned a lot from the experience, um, mm-hmm. basically. So, yeah. So did you tell the midwives that you were feeling um or you know did you tell them how you felt and that you felt not you know something wasn't right inside of you yeah I did tell one um one of them who like she was a really really lovely sort of um midwife um she actually stayed back to see me give birth to Kai Mm -hmm. and I she sort of like popped over for a visit I think one day and I said look I think I'm I think I've got postnatal depression I I'd already had a history of depression so I could kind Mm -hmm. of identify it um Mm. I guess um within myself um but she I think again like um you know I I was still within that sort of like two-week period Mm. um it could have it could have been the baby blues um but so she was sort of I think that sort of got dismissed a bit um Mm -hmm. but yeah you know sort of like Mm. I kind of knew so from there it just meant having basically having to go to the doctors and things like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah and I, I think it's tricky because the way I was told when I when I had my baby it was like oh for the first two weeks you know obviously you've got that drop in hormones you've got if you're doing breastfeeding you've yeah. got you know a, a different hormones and that and it's like oh for the yeah. first two weeks it's it's quite normal to have baby blues or to feel down and obviously you yeah. know, you're sleep deprived um it's really hard you don't you yeah. don't know what to expect and then it's just really hard it's overwhelming all of that yeah. um and then it seems like midwives they kind of hope that after two weeks or you know two-ish weeks obviously it's not like two yeah. weeks straight on the dot no, um, no. they kind of hope yeah. that you start feeling a bit more um at at ease or you kind of settle into you know the 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 first time mom role I guess um and I guess for for you you just you just knew from the get-go and I guess having depression you you know what it's like so you could identify that I'm not sure it is obviously you know without knowing what the baby blues is but you you were still like yeah "Mm." 
no, nah, it doesn't feel right. No, I think the um, I think for me the the thing that differentiated it was the severe insomnia. So I was probably mm-hmm. getting maybe two to three hours of sleep um a night, um, and I just couldn't. I just mm. literally couldn't sleep. Um, right. so I think for me that's what the that's what made the made the difference. It wasn't just me being a bit sort of like hormonal and sort mm. of you know adjusting to things. It was actually that yeah, my sleep was really off, my anxiety levels were really high. Um, I could feel myself, you know, like I was crying a lot. Um, mm. you know, which I think is totally in some ways is totally normal when you're struggling with breastfeeding and you know, yep. probably even if you're not struggling like with mm. with with breastfeeding, it's still yep. a challenging sort of time. Um, so I think it's easy to pass, you know, I think it is easy to pass off. And yeah, like, you know, I guess nobody wants to tell a, you know, a first time mum, you know, like, yeah, chances are you have postpartum depression or, you yeah. know, any of that kind of stuff, because it's, you know, I guess it's a, it's a bit of a, like a challenging sort of like thing in some ways. How did you go about I guess being diagnosed with it, did you have to see your GP for that? Um, so basically I took, um, I'd be, because I'd been seeing the midwives um, out in the community for weight checks, they, I think they must regularly sort of do um, postpartum sort of depression sort of checks. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have a little like, I think it's like a 10-question um like questionnaire here um, that they use to diagnose postpartum depression and I I think I did it a couple of times and I was relatively high um, (laughs) in terms of you know the rating for postnatal depression so they advised me to go and see a doctor Um, and unfortunately the experience with that doctor wasn't that great she Mm -hmm. I think she also put it down um the depre- you know, the depressive sort of symptoms, I guess, put it down to being a first-time mum and kind mm-hmm. of um, pushed it aside mm-hmm. um, a bit. And, um, yeah, so eventually I ended up actually seeing another doctor um, because I felt like I needed to be taken mm-hmm. sort of seriously. Yeah, and that doctor was sort of um, a lot better um, mm-hmm. in terms of sort of, I guess, um, in terms of managing it and um establishing sort of like a mental health plan and things like mm-hmm. that and um yeah helping me to access a psychologist and things like that perfect so, yeah. well it's um it's hard isn't it when you're a first time mom you've never experienced that before and then you you have to fight yeah. with the doctor and to to be yeah. heard even though you know yeah. that it's not right like that's so hard yeah yeah it is and I found that by that time I was just like completely frustrated I think Mm -hmm. um by the sort of the entire process and obviously like I wasn't feeling well so it's and it's hard to advocate for yourself when you're Mm -hmm. not you know when you're not feeling well um to you know to be assertive and to do all those sorts of things yeah and again coming back to what we're not told about mental health both in pregnancy or even preconception because mental health is a thing all throughout your life, but we don't talk about mental health as it is. 
let alone in pregnancy, let alone in postpartum. Yeah. Yet it's yeah. huge because if you're not feeling well mentally, you it's yeah. not going to go well. The whole experience of looking after a baby, being sleep deprived, um, having to mm. troubleshoot, you know, um, a, a baby because whether the baby is formula fed or or breastfed, you know, they're probably going to have pain in the stomach and they're going to have gas and they're going to cry a lot and 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 so yeah. on and trying to navigate that while you're not feeling well yeah it's it's yeah. huge and we don't talk about postpartum depression we we don't talk about anxiety we we don't talk about that we just say oh you might have the baby blues you might cry yeah. for two weeks but that's pretty mm. normal and then just yeah. brush it off and go oh it, it's just because you don't know what you're doing yeah well, no yeah. no we know that moms they if if you listen to moms, they will actually tell you the the yeah. diagnosis. They will tell you what's wrong. Yeah. So they will say, I, yeah. I think I have depression and, yeah. and that's the diagnosis there. But if you're not, if the yeah. doctor, the midwife is not listening, yeah. uh, you did, you, you know, you, you had to fight, you had to see another doctor. That could have been a barrier yeah. that could have stopped you. Yeah. And yeah. it could have hugely impacted on, um, you know, your life. Uh, Matt's life, Kai's yeah. life, um, yeah. but you know, obviously, yeah. you surpassed it because you knew. No, I'm not right. I need someone to hear me and yeah. to actually do something yeah. rather than say, "Oh, you yeah. just don't know what you're doing." Yeah, 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 definitely. And I mean, it was only due to my. I, I think, in a lot of ways, it was only due to my background in um, mm-hmm. mental health that I knew That's that right. you know. Um, that this, you know, I had postpartum depression and that I needed to, you know, I needed to try and deal with it sort of quickly um, because they do know that the earlier you tackle postpartum depression, um, the less severe it typically is. Yeah. Um, and it was something that I just knew that, you know, I needed to, I needed to get access to certain things um, to try and improve, you know, my, yeah. you know, just my mental health generally. So, yeah, yeah. No, that's right. That's and, and yeah, see, that's you know, we we don't all have the same cards in our hands. And obviously, you were lucky that you had you had that background in mental yeah. health, so you could identify yeah. symptoms, signs, and therefore be really yeah. advocating. But I'm thinking yeah. of all the other moms that just get dismissed and go, "Oh, okay, well, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. It that's why I'm crying all the time, yeah. even though it's like baby six months old." Um, that's that's just sad yeah. so you know it's like if, if you think something's not right and, and you're not heard then see someone else yeah because there will be someone yeah. that will yeah. listen and and it's it's hard yeah. it's so hard because finding a gp is hard getting into a gp is hard yeah um changing yeah. gp is is hard some some yeah. gps don't take new patients um no. but yeah sometimes you've yeah. you've got to see someone different and yeah. tell your story again to then be heard, to then mm, get help. Definitely. Because, I mean, there, there is help. And I and- think that, um, you know, if I sort of looking back and probably in hindsight, I probably would have tried to choose a doctor um, that had an interest in um, maternal sort of like health mm-hmm. um, and probably, um, you know, sort of probably a female, a female doctor that I sort of um, had a sort of um, connection, you know, a good connection with. I almost think it can be really beneficial if you don't have a regular GP that you see um, mm-hmm. to go and actually um, 
try and find one um, because I think that that relationship, um, if you've got a good relationship there, you can, you know, you can sort of quite talk quite openly um, about things Um, where if it's you're seeing a new person, there can be a lot of sort of, you know, fear and sort of hesitancy and sort of, you know, for some mums it might be a concern about the baby being sort of like taken away. Like, you know, they're going to think I'm a mental case or like, you know, or something like that um, rather than, yeah, rather than just realising actually this person's just, you know, struggling and, you know, making up a plan as to how to sort of help them. Because I guess if you don't know the person, it can be hard to... You know, it can be hard in that yeah. circumstance to know whether it's baby blues or yeah, or depression. Mm. So, yeah, and yeah. and sometimes I I almost feel like you have to go in and tell them what you want. So you almost have to walk into yeah. the office and say, "I think I have this. I want a mental health plan yeah. because I need to see a psychologist." Yeah. And I feel like when you say yeah. that, then it really guides the conversation and so the doctor goes sometimes they still do try and dismiss and I don't really know why yeah. and they kind of go oh look maybe you know it's going to go away in a week or whatever yeah um and and other times you know they will just go oh okay this person is informed and and that's the thing you, you yeah. need to know like if you if you don't know you you don't know you you're not gonna guess that you can get a mental health plan you know it's hard but th- there is there is help and as as you access you got access to a psychologist that's really amazing yeah did it help yeah. you as you were seeing the psychologist and talking through um your experience did it help you um it did so i ended up seeing a psychologist who did one on one as well as group um mm. sort of um i guess sort of sessions as well mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was definitely, I think, helpful to understand the, um, you know, the biology around, um, postnatal depression and anxiety, um, you know, sort of the, the social factors that can, um, influence it, um, different, you know, management techniques for it. But I did, I have to admit, like I did find it still a fairly sort of, um, a fairly big sort of like struggle. I think, I don't know. I mean, I guess I can only speak for myself, but I did have to muddle my way through a fair, a fair bit. Um, and it took me a long time to, I guess, to process um, that, you know, to process that experience and to understand it. So yeah, like definitely the psychologist I think was, was helpful, but it wasn't just the psychology that helped. I definitely think um, exercise helped a lot. So I think I, made it a mission to go for like a 45 minute walk or so like Mm -hmm. every single day definitely helped I think um with sort of like raising sort of endorphins and things like that at times Mm. also you know sort of like just in terms of my sort of like physical sort of like health and sort of energy levels it helped um in that sense and Mm -hmm. I think at one stage I did have to go to the doctors um to get some medication as well unfortunately the medication didn't work for me but I think that it definitely can work um Mm. can work for some people um and you may need a holistic approach to you know to treating sort of depression and anxiety yeah and we know that mental health is it's like it's obviously 
not the same for everyone. So you don't treat it. Um, the treatment you would use is not going to be the same for two moms who, you know, had a baby at the same no. time and, and so on, you know, it's yeah. individualized yeah. and you need to find what works. And yeah. so for you, medication wasn't yeah. something that worked. So there's no point yeah. in being medicated. So there you go. No. But I think no. it's, there's, um, as you said, it's a, it's a holistic approach. It's, you know, some people need a routine. So they need to yeah. uh, wake up at a consistent time and maybe they get up before baby so they can do a few things like having your shower and, and you know, yeah. doing your hair and doing your makeup. So, you know, that makes yeah. you feel more confident, more ready. Um, or yeah. it's doing your exercise, for example. Yeah. Um, and then it's, you know, like then baby wakes up and then getting into the routine. So for some people that's what helps. Um, and it's finding, as you said, it's finding strategies that – really help you to cope with motherhood yeah. you know you know the whole lifespan of motherhood is is hard obviously it's not just the newborn stage yeah. that's hard it's it's baby no. teething it's baby sickness it's um yeah. you know it's different milestones it's toddlerhood you know yeah. so there will be a lot of periods which are difficult where maybe you sleep less and therefore your mental health goes yeah. down um, and so it's yeah, about finding yeah. strategies and also being able to access maybe more help when yeah. when you need it, when something, maybe something else has happened in your life and you need extra yeah. support. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And just, yeah, finding strategies with the help of a psychologist, maybe even a psychiatrist yeah. if that's yeah. uh, someone that could help. And just, yeah, learning to manage, I think, first-time moms, again, if you don't have the confidence that, you know, you're doing everything right, you're doing everything yeah. you can. That's a really big thing in in affecting your mental health too. And, and it's hard to yeah. be confident as a first-time mom because you just don't know yeah. if you're doing it right, if, you know, if this is normal, if it should be that way. You know, yeah. you, you just don't know a lot of things. So you're like, oh. And I find talking about it, like talking with other moms, you know, moms groups and saying, you know, yeah. oh, this is – this is how I'm feeling. This is what's happening in my life. Baby's yeah. feeling this. And, and then mom's going, yeah. oh, me too. I, you know, I, I cried in on the way to the mom's group today because, yeah. you know, the baby was having a another meltdown, like the fifth one yeah. for the morning, you know, like just talking yeah. about that and going, oh, I'm not, I'm not the only one. Like it, it just feels no. good too. Yeah, it does. And I definitely, I definitely think that any of those mothers groups and things like that, as long as they're a supportive environment um, yeah. for you and you feel like you can openly express things and you don't feel like you're being judged or, you know, yeah. you're just not getting along with the other mums. I think mm. that any of that sort of stuff can be really beneficial and, you know, getting out of the house like at least once a day, um, I think it's really important not to get stuck inside, um, yeah. you know, to sort of, although your your life isn't going to be the same as it was sort of like pre-baby, like still making sure that you, you get out sometimes for a coffee with your partner or, um, you know, you go to the beach or something like that. Those sorts of things are actually really important and you don't realise how important they are for, I think, for normalising, mm, um, yeah. you know normalizing the process so yeah, yeah that's right yeah yeah and it's it's a big transition when when you become a parent for the first it time it's in as much as you can prepare you just don't know what it's going to be like 
and then you have yeah. to find a whole new routine because obviously getting out of the house takes yeah. three times as long. Um, you know, you oh, sometimes, yeah. You, yeah. you know, you're like, oh, I, I usually go to the coffee at 10 a.m., but now baby naps at this time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah. things like that. So you've just got to find a new way to make it work because it's still possible, you know, if baby naps at 10 a.m., yeah. well, potentially you can still yeah. go for your coffee and put them in the pram, wheel them yeah. around, they fall asleep, you have your coffee, there you go. Um, so it's yeah. still doable, yeah. but it's about finding the balance and, and also taking the step yeah. to go out because, you know, uh, I find, yeah. and I could talk about mental health and, and all of that for hours, but the other thing in postpartum is obviously you've gone through labor and there's a lot of body yeah. image as well. Like some, sometimes you still oh, look yeah, pregnant for definitely. weeks afterwards and yeah. somehow that's yeah. super embarrassing yeah. and we should hide. But yeah. but no, because yeah. when we've gone through labor, um, you know, yes, mm. that, you know, that skin, that stretch has to go somewhere. Um, and it's normal to, you know, like there's no shame in still looking pregnant or 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 just obviously you've still got that extra weight that's that's normal you've just given birth um there's no need to to hide but somehow yeah. I feel like you know everyone is like oh a pregnant body looks great but then once the pregnant belly is gone yeah. it's like oh no oh that's disgusting yeah. I don't want to say that but that's how yeah. it is you know we yeah yeah we we shouldn't hide we shouldn't be ashamed we no. yeah we, we need to do the things that make us feel good without thinking oh that person's going to think I'm really fat or that person's going to think this or I I feel yeah. like I shouldn't be showing myself or I shouldn't wear this yeah. dress it, it's like no you yeah. just do your thing yeah 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 and I think like even just you know finding clothes that you feel really comfortable in like mm. your chances are you're not going to fit into the same clothes mm. that you were wearing before you know before you fell sort of pregnant straight away for some people it might be that they you know that they lose all of the baby weight within two weeks for some it may mm. be that they retain it for the next you know nine to nine to twelve months I think yeah. it's you know just about making your felt self feel good um in the moment like no matter where you you know where you fall in that sort of spectrum um yeah, that's right. and you know realizing that weight's not you know your weight isn't um everything at the end of the day no that's right so, it's yeah I I don't like to talk about pre-pregnancy post-pregnancy weight I like to talk about how you feel yeah. and whether you're able to yeah. um hold baby carry baby uh you're yeah. able to put yeah. baby down pick them up um and and you just and you don't have you know you don't have a lower back ache and you don't have your knees that are aching and yeah. you're not feeling like oh I can't get up yeah. while baby's in my arms you know it's about being functional yeah. and feeling like you can do the things that yeah you know are involved with having a toddler having a newborn um and mm. and you and you feel good and you feel you feel strong in your body you know um yeah. yeah, that's what I like to talk about rather than, oh, you know, you need to get back to yeah. your pre-pregnancy weight. Well, no, you need to be strong yeah. and you need to feel like you can pick up your yeah. baby toddler. You you can do it. You that, can put them yeah. down. You can, you know, all of those things we have to do. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, t- I totally agree um, with that. And, you know, like I think maybe the second, you know, and third and fourth sort of times around, they, you know, I think you do understand that sort of perhaps mm. a bit better um, that, you know, that, that this is just a natural sort of um, part of the, you know, part of the process and that, yeah, like, you know, the way that you move and, um, you know, how your body is sort of functioning is, yeah, yeah, is, you know, kind of more important than your body image at that stage or, you know, than what yeah. other people think of you at that stage. Mm. So, mm. yeah. Exactly, yeah. So let's go into your second pregnancy. So it wasn't planned. Yeah. How did you find out you were pregnant? No, no. Um, <laughs> it was actually quite a funny story. So my partner's um, mother um, was um, in the Gold Coast and we'd gone up there for her 60th um, birthday party. And um, we had a, you know, a sort of like a nice sort of like birthday party for her. And suddenly I woke up the, you know, that night in the middle of the night and I said to my partner, I'm pretty sure I'm pregnant. And my, so my, my uh, breasts had like increased by like probably a size or two. And I was just like, nah, this isn't. this isn't normal and my nipples were sort of really sensitive and I was like I'm pregnant um so sure enough uh, the next I think the next day actually before before work um I made my partner go and get some pregnancy tests because I was just knew that I was going to be a mess all throughout the day otherwise Mm -hmm. and um we did a I did a you know a couple of pregnancy tests and sure enough I was yeah I was pregnant so (laughs) Did, were you um so early? that was definitely a surprise oh wow were you early into pregnancy or did you find out a bit like midway through the first trimester? um I feel like I was probably no I feel like I was probably six to seven weeks along okay. so I, I noticed a really um significant change just in my you know sort of size of my sort of breasts like over yeah. literally overnight um so yeah so that's just how it that's just how it happened <laughs> well at least I you know. found that um, I, I had a guest before come in and she didn't find out until she was 13 weeks pregnant so I mean through you know like yeah. if, if you don't yeah. know you don't know again you know you're not going to guess it um, yeah and for people that have irregular periods and things like that I think that experience yeah. can be or you know or aren't getting any weight gain and things like that that can be a totally yeah. normal experience unfortunately for me I tend to put all of my weight on in the first and second trimesters so it's very noticeable quickly okay so. mm. <laughs> lucky you I guess <laughs> just the way it goes <laughs> so um how did you feel mentally because um he wasn't planned so had you spoken about a second baby or was it just not on the cards like look we we talked about it um you know so it was something that I was considering maybe sort of like in another year or you know year or two like I knew that I was getting older and you know chances are that my fertility rates would well you know would start to decline a bit but yeah like you know sort of when it happened it was certainly not um certainly not planned it gave Mm -hmm. us a both of us really quite a big 
quite a big shock and you know I was quite sort of like nervous um about you know about it um I was scared that I'd go through you know a similar process um that I'd been through with Kai and was you know was nervous and worried about that um but yeah I mean I guess it's something that you um you know, for a lot of people that they probably adjust to over over a period of time when they find out they're, yeah, unexpectedly pregnant. Um, mm. So if, if for me it did take, it probably took a couple of months, I think, to adjust yeah. to it. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's obviously huge news and when you haven't planned it, it's it's yeah. difficult. It's just, and, and you just think, oh, uh, maybe it wasn't the right time, you know, but I mean, yeah, it, it's it's difficult. Like when when it, it wasn't planned, and you just go, oh, okay, it's happening. It's yeah, yeah. You've got to process it, obviously, uh, and you've got to see how it's yeah. going to fit with with your current routine that you've got as a family of three. You've got to see how yeah. that's going to fit in, obviously, and and mentally, it's it's hard yeah. because when you're not prepared for it, it's it's harder yeah. to digest. I think in a way. Yeah, yeah. I think it was. And you know, like obviously as well there was a bit of guilt because I just had, mm. you know, we'd been at a sort of um 60th party so I'd had, you know, four or mm. five drinks or something like that and sort of like the next day finding out and realizing I was like, you know, um yeah. I hadn't taken any prenatal sort of vitamins, mm. um any of that sort of, you know, any I hadn't done any of that sort of like preparation work that I had done you know, with my first one. So there was a bit of sort of guilt and, you know, anxiety around that, I guess. Yeah. 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 And and I feel like, I feel like also when you're pregnant and you didn't plan it, there's also guilt of maybe not being happy or just not, you know, jumping to the roof straight away and going, Oh yeah, yeah, I'm pregnant. And, and and we need to normalize that. We need to normalize saying, look, it took me time. Obviously, you know, yeah. you're really happy now and, you know, you can't wait for baby two to yeah. be born. But let's normalize yeah. still saying it took me by surprise and that's how it was, yeah. you know. Uh, you know, it's yeah. it's obviously something huge, something that's going to change, you know, your whole life, your whole family yeah. dynamics. Yes, yeah. it does take time to adjust and that's fine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's, I don't, you know, sort of... Um, I think for anyone that does find themselves sort of in that situation, you don't have to be, you know, sort of jumping for jumping for joy. I think it's really yeah. normal to um, be extremely sort of confused, to not know, yeah. you know, want to do what you want to do, and possibly to, you know, to sort of be considering the the possibility of exploring, you know, exploring your options. Yeah, um, I think all of that is, yeah is just normal and that's it's it's okay you don't have to feel but sort of bad or guilty or any of those things that we often feel <laughs> yeah exactly there's there's so much mum guilt about anything it's like if you don't breastfeed your baby there's mum guilt there uh if you don't yeah. start solid at six months there's mum guilt if you there's a lot of like yeah. if you don't do this you know and yeah yeah let's let's just not have mum guilt about you know not being happy straight away when you found out you're pregnant, even if it was planned, because sometimes you do plan it, you say, oh, uh, you know, I want to have baby too. And it happens like straight away. And you go, oh, actually, that was really quick. Like that was quicker than I anticipated. Obviously, you know how babies are made. But 
it yeah, can yeah. still take you by surprise. And so saying, yeah, oh, actually, I was really surprised and it took me a bit to adjust, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. Like, you, you know, that's yeah. fine. There's no guilt that that needs yeah. to be felt about that. It's That's how it is. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. And I think it's actually the same for when the um, – to you know when your baby or babies are sort of like born as well it's it's actually quite natural um not to feel sort of like an overwhelming sort of mm. sense of love um and nobody actually tells you that um that it can take it can actually take some time to develop that sort of attachment um and bond mm-hmm. um and there's nothing wrong with you if you're not you know head over heels it's you know it's sort of a relationship is something that develops um you know over time um it's something that may take you know a a bit of an adjustment and um all of that sort of stuff so if you sort of um are feeling that way don't don't feel don't feel Mm. guilty about it it's you know it's entirely normal um and so too is it to feel completely overwhelmed with love it's just everybody's Mm. experience is is different exactly yeah exactly so did you did you take different steps in terms of you know mental health and that to um well because you know because of this news did you maybe see your psychologist maybe more frequently to talk through feelings and all of that or yeah so I hadn't been before I fell pregnant I hadn't been seeing um a psychologist but the first thing I did um was make sure that I told my um, doctor and mm-hmm. um, said to her, look, I'm terrified of going through this process like again mm-hmm. um, of post, you know, of postnatal um, depression. Um, she was really good in, you know, helping to, I think, calm me down in some ways um Mm -hmm. and sort of like reassuring me she'd actually identified sort of like a long like a fairly sort of long time ago that I had I likely had birth trauma Mm -hmm. um and so yeah when I fell pregnant she was sort of aware of the aware of the circumstances so knowing that um having a discussion with her around the possibility of um trying sort of medication if I needed to um during the pregnancy um just to keep me you know mentally sort of like well um we talked very openly about that and she was always very open with me about how I've been feeling and um those sorts of things um but the psychologist I ended up getting probably about three months into um the um pregnancy and I chose somebody that had an interest in um, women's health. Um, mm-hmm. And thankfully, the psychologist I saw had actually had her own experience of postpartum depression. Um, mm-hmm. So she's, you know, she's been really good in sort of terms of sort of understanding, um, you know, understanding where I've been at and um, some of the challenges that come along with that and sort of normalizing, you know, sort of reactions and feelings and things like that. So mm-hmm. I definitely think it's, um, it's good to pre-plan and it's, it doesn't mean that anything's going to happen, but it's good to have that there just in case you yeah. do sort of, you know, you do fall back into depression. So, yeah. and it means you can tackle it early you don't have to develop a um, a relationship quickly with somebody. Um, mm-hmm. You've sort of got that pre-existing sort of, you know, uh, relationship there, which makes it easier to open up to somebody really. Yeah. And because, and I mean, you can get, 
prenatal depression, which is depression during yeah. pregnancy. That's that's yeah. the thing, and we we don't talk about it either. Um, but it's good no. to preempt things, as you said, and prepare. Um, strategies prepare services that are available so that if you needed them they're there if you don't that's fine yeah yeah it's all good yeah yeah exactly exactly and I think for you know um, I mean um, you know I've had some good friends that have gone through sort of um, anxiety during the pregnancy stage it's not necessarily something that I have encountered a lot of um, myself but I know for them, their anxiety has become really heightened. They've had, you know, sort of first children with sort of where they had um, significant kind of birth injuries and things like that. So that for them, it's been a real, you know, issue and it's been good for them to have um, access to some support and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe access to medication prior to the, you know, prior to the sort of births of their next um, children. So, yeah, yeah, like I think it's everybody's experience is just different. Mm, Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, So how how did your pregnancy go this time around? So you had less nausea, vomiting, but you had reflux. Yeah. So um, I would say that they're like in a way they're on par with each other, I think, in terms of Mm -hmm. I didn't have heartburn with Kai until the last sort of trimester I think and I think that that's pretty standard for most people that are pregnant but definitely this time around I had heartburn from a really early stage I'm talking probably like within the first at least within the first eight weeks or so I would say um I know I know um it's just it's just one of those things um and I think my mental health, I think this time around may have been, it's probably been a bit, a bit better. I think mm-hmm. maybe largely because my diet's been a bit better as well. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the food aversions and I've been able oh, to good. eat, you know, um, relatively, you know, relatively mm-hmm. normally. So yeah, it's sort of, I don't know, they're just really sort of like quite different in yeah. some respects I guess going through it the second time you sort of as well you know more what to expect yeah. um yeah. whereas the first time you have no idea <laughs> exactly the first time you're like yeah let's dive into it and then you discover you know what pregnancy yeah. is what birth is what labor yeah. is you discover what postpartum is and then yeah. you're like oh okay yeah that yeah. I might think about it for baby two now <laughs> yeah Definitely. I think there's more planning that goes into baby number two often. So, yeah. Um, how um, are you going through the same uh, model of care, so through the, the hospital with a midwife obstetrician as well? Um, yes, yes. So um, I am. I haven't changed that. Um, I'm, I've been relatively, you know, sort of relatively happy um, with the um, – with the sort of um, public health care system here. Um, I didn't have, I mean, although I went through a bit of birth trauma with Kai, I don't think that that had anything to do with the care that I received. I think it was just first time, you know, pregnancy and, Mm. um, you know, sometimes the difficulties that can come with that. Whereas I've had um, friends of mine that have had really sort of traumatising um, hospital experiences. 
um, where they wanted to obtain sort of um, private, you know, go through the sort of like the private sort of health system um, because they didn't want to repeat the experiences that they had um, in the public sort of health system, which is, you know, totally, totally understandable. Um, Again, I think just everybody's experience is is different and it's hard to you know it's hard to know what's going to be right for you you know you can only sort of really judge it off you know your experiences and um work probably word of mouth to some degree so yeah exactly yeah 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 and and as you said you know sometimes um again going private comes at a cost not accessible to yeah. everyone so some people have yeah. you know that that chance of being able to access it yeah and sometimes regardless yeah. of financial barriers it's um having a private midwife that services the area which can be difficult yeah. in rural locations so yeah yeah sometimes it's difficult even if you don't want to go through you know your local hospitals sometimes there yeah. isn't a choice and that's that's difficult. Yeah. How did you announce it to Kai actually? Because he's four and a half, so you can obviously comprehend yeah. what it's like to have a sibling. I'm guessing yeah. he's got friends that have siblings, so he probably understands that. Uh yes, yes. So definitely, you know, sort of like definitely at his age, he understood that. Um, so I actually didn't tell him um until um I went to Sydney to see my parents and um basically sort of told everybody mm-hmm. um pretty much at the same at the same time. Um I knew for Kai that it was important to start sort of like prepa- you know, preparing him sort of like mentally, um, mm-hmm. I guess. He was um I think in the early sort of like stages, he was sort of like, oh, yeah, like that's, you know, that's good sort of thing. Um, now he's actually, you know, has become quite attached um, to the idea of it. He understands that, you know, sort of um, this is going to be his, you know, his baby brother and that he's, you know, going to be a big brother and that he's going to, you know, be able to teach him all of these things and all of that sort of stuff. So, yeah, oh, he's definitely that's... grown used to the idea now. Oh, <laughs> that's so cute. Did he ever ask for a sibling at, at any point? He did. Um, he probably asked about maybe a year or so before um, I actually fell pregnant and it was something that I felt guilty about because at that stage I was pretty sure that it might that he might be the only mm-hmm. he might be the only one um and I sort of like I felt bad because you know I kind of you know I I wanted him to have a sibling but it at the end of the day I was I was also scared of putting myself yeah. through that again um yeah. and also the you know the potential impact that it could have on him and mm-hmm. all of that sort mm-hmm. of stuff yeah so yeah and and honestly you don't have a, a child for your child you have a child because you want it no you you don't do it to please your existing you know children or child you have you you do it because you want to so again mum guilt yeah but it it is how it is if you're not ready for it that's how it is yeah it's exactly exactly I think at the end of the day you you know 
you have to be the one that makes that, yeah, that makes that sort of decision. And I mean, for some people, it may also come down to being a financial decision of whether, (laughs) you know, can we afford sort of, you know, how many children can we afford? Is this, um, is this doable for us? Do we have even have the time, you know, if you're both sort of working in sort of, um, Mm. you know, sort of professional, busy sort of like jobs and things like that, all of those factors come, you know, come into it, I think. Yeah, exactly. That's right. There's a lot of thinking considerations, factors to to take into yeah. account. But yeah, it's uh, well, it's good that Kai's excited. That's um, that probably helps yeah. as well. Obviously, you know, you're you're excited. Matt's excited. He's excited. You know, yeah. that's great. Did you prepare? differently this time for maybe still the the birth uh maybe breastfeeding if you plan to and postpartum as well yeah so this time around um i have got um i bought formula um (laughs) this time around just in case i have needed it um i also got bottles and things like that i also started thinking about the um i think they refer to it as their fourth trimester um So that where you, yeah, that's um, that's sort of three months after you give birth. So I started sort of like thinking about sort of, um, you know, sort of meals, um, pre-planning sort of like meals, um, also sort of putting together some sort of um, snacks and things like that. Nothing too exciting, but just making sort of, you know, muffins, like things that you can hold in sort of um, one, you know, one hand, I guess, nuts and those sorts of things that I I didn't think about previously. And I also um, started taking, I saw a um, sort of nutritionist, I guess, and sort of looked at um, different vitamins and minerals and Mm -hmm. um, things like that, that would help me, I guess, um, to sort of like try and maintain a bit more of a balance um, once the baby comes along. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it, it will be taxing on your body, obviously, um, you know, pregnancy is, uh, labor and birth is, and then breastfeeding yeah. or not just being postpartum, it's, it's yeah. taxing on your body and you need to yeah. replenish, you know, the stores that went down during pregnancy. And also if the stores are continuing yeah. to go down with breastfeeding, then it needs to be replenished. So, yeah, um, yeah nutrition is super yeah. important in well, at any point in life, but especially yeah. pregnancy and postpartum. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think it's also really important to consider um, – you know, when you give um, birth as well, um, you know, sort of like what you want to do in terms of like visitors and sort of like Mm -hmm. people sort of coming to see you and things like that. I know with, um, you know, I know with Kai that um, I probably would have been better off actually not having any sort of visitors while I was in the Mm -hmm. hospital. I found it, I having people constantly coming in and out, um, including like, you know, nursing staff and orderlies Mm -hmm. as well as, you know, family was, was too much um, yeah. for me. And I think this time around, I'm much more aware of, you know, trying to um, space sort of um, visitors so that I'm yeah. not getting too sort of um, overwhelmed by people and just, you know, sort of setting sort of some boundaries um, when they need to be set, I guess. Yeah. Um, mm. So that yeah. I'm not just doing things out of guilt. Yeah. And see, that's, that's a really good point. And sometimes it's hard because you've got family that's maybe pushy, I guess, and they, they want to see the, yeah. the baby that's just been born. And, and, and like, I get it. Yeah. But it's, 
yeah mentally there's a lot of mental load that yeah. goes into having that person being there and they you know yeah. you have to somewhat entertain them and you know and and yeah. that's time where you're not resting and it's and it's yeah. time where maybe you're not feeding because maybe you're a bit shy and, and you know stuff like that and yeah yeah it's it's hard to yeah. put boundaries but you have to and that's the whole yeah. motherhood motherhood is putting boundaries and yeah make and saying you know this is how it is and because i'm i'm the, the mom i'm the parent i'm deciding so yeah. it, it is how it is and, and yeah. that's hard but you you learn it i think as you go and you know being yeah. baby two you can say clearly yeah. this is how it was with kai i do not want that for yeah, baby two. exactly and i think it's just being strong in those sorts of mm. um you know in those sorts of decisions like if you don't want anyone visiting you at the hospital then let people know in yeah. advance um that you don't you know you don't want them there because of you know this and this reason it doesn't mean that you're a horrible person who's trying to you know stop the grandparents from seeing the kids or or any of that sort of stuff it's just that you 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 know you're prioritizing you know yourself and your needs which are really valid at that time because you're completely sort of exhausted yeah, so, exactly. yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, on top of it, if you've, you know, potentially you've had a C-section or you've had an episiotomy and you've got that extra, you know, pain and, and just uncomfortableness yeah. and you're trying to recover and then you've got people, yeah, it's just, it's yeah. hard. But yeah, it's yeah. about setting boundaries. Yeah. So baby two is coming in two weeks. Do you have yep. a birth plan or birth preferences, I guess? Um, I think I've I followed, I guess, a track that's sort of um, fairly similar to the one that I had um, previously. Um, I think the only changes that I made was um, not to have the sort of um, try the sort of like showers and sort of um, birthing sort of pool and stuff like that. Only because, yeah, like last time my body just seemed to stop. So I don't think it was particularly, you know, helpful for me. I also, um, I was happy to go ahead with an episiotomy again. uh, Sorry, uh, um, epidural again this time. Mm -hmm. But I had gas and stuff like that last time and I actually found it really ineffective. So Mm -hmm. I've just sort of decided that I'm not really that interested in that this time around. Um, I thought that I'd get a TENS, um, a TENS machine instead. Mm. Um, so just, yeah, just slightly sort of different things. I mean, I've, I've let them know in the sort of, I guess, in the birth plan that I'm, you know, happy if they do need to do an episiotomy or something that, you know, for them to go ahead with that and that I'd prefer that over a cesarean, um, Mm -hmm. only because it's, you know, cesareans, you can't, you often can't drive for a fairly sort of like long time, um, so yeah, it's I'd say it's kind of similar-ish, um, but with a few, I, I suppose a few changes here and there. Yeah, yeah, and and who knows how your because you might be induced, but your labour could spontaneously yeah. begin at at any point before the induction. So exactly, who knows how it yeah. starts, and therefore, depending on that, it no. potentially changes exactly. the the preferences. So yeah, yeah. it's you know yeah. just like for any birth it's you never know until you're in it and even when you're in it things can change yeah. anyway yeah yeah and I think that that's the biggest the biggest thing to consider it's like if this is your first time giving birth 
is that um, you you kind of need to be flexible um, when you're giving birth because things come up unexpectedly. There's emergency situations can yeah. can happen, um, and the more flexible you are, um, I think the easier the easier the process often. Yeah, yeah, that's right, and and that's why I I tend to say birth plan, but I I meant to say birth preferences because a, a plan implies yeah. that you know it's set in stone. But obviously, birth isn't. Stone, yeah. You know, unless unless you're no, having a, no. a planned uh, C-section, and then usually that's pretty. Yeah. Um, you know, that's pretty yeah. straightforward. It's it doesn't change much. Um, but yeah. yeah, if it's yeah. spontaneous induction uh, labor, it's uh, yeah. It, you don't know. You don't know what could happen. So usually, no, I mean birth no. preferences, but I said birth plan still. That's all right. Yeah. So that's yeah. I think it's all just about going with the flow. Really, it's yeah. No. It's just accepting that, yeah. Sometimes things don't always work out. Just sort of um, being in the being in the moment. I think. Yeah, exactly. Well, you'll have to come back to um, tell us the story of baby two being born, and you know how everything I'll is let you, going. I'll have to let you know. Yes, yeah, definitely, definitely. Because I mean, it might it might also be the interesting insight after you know having gone through sort of a difficult experience yeah. with my first one to to see what you know the differences between the experiences. Yeah. I think yeah, because so, yeah. it'd, it'd be great to talk about obviously you know your your labour, your birth, but also um, the transition of having two children. Yeah. Um, yeah. postpartum how the fact that you're planning it differently how it went yeah. how it unfolded you know and and yeah. all of those things you know mentally physically your recovery it's yeah. um yeah there's yeah there's a lot that we can uh talk about once baby two is born and once you're ready for it obviously yeah definitely definitely i think that sounds like a good idea Amazing. <laughs> well i think we'll uh i think we'll leave it as that i right. wish you all the best uh i wish you a short labor uh and a very yeah, easy so delivery <laughs> yes and uh and an oh, easy recovery you. and uh all the best oh. all the best yeah i can't wait to hear it thank you very much thank you for listening and i hope you enjoyed this episode if you want to get notified of when a new episode comes out please subscribe to this show on your podcast listening platform also, I would really appreciate it if you could leave me a review on Apple Podcast or share this episode so that other mom can find it. If you would like to tell your own pregnancy, birth or parenting story, please head to the show notes and you will find a form there to get in touch with me. Again, thank you so much for listening and I will be with you again next week for a new episode.